I love series. So we're back at it again. Welcome to TKZ Brigade, the music series, part two of Lonnie Chapin's musical journey. Now, for those that have been listening, last week we dove into the beginning of Lonnie's journey. This week, we are going to finish up and find out where Lonnie's at here in 2023. I hope you enjoyed the first part because the second part is just as exciting. So please tune in now here on TK's A Brigade. No, you don't. I, I do. I want to. I want to. I want to insert uh, some fun, like memories of that because uh, going from Petra and and listening to the hip hop in the Midwest. You know, I grew up on like PID and ETW and. And those cats like you uh, bet. T-Bone. Well, one day in church, I'm walking through uh, the front part of the church where our bookstore was, and I see this cassette tape, and it's sitting on the rack. And from a distance, I really couldn't read it too well, and so I kind of got closer to it. And as I got closer, I see this dude wearing this fanny pack, and then this other dude kind of standing next to him, and he's pointing at him. And I get closer, and, and I read the name of the cassette, and it says, New Thing. And I'm like, what is that, right? So, yeah. I mean, up until this point, I grew up on the, you know, again, the Petra, obviously, the Farrell and Farrell and the Amy Grant and the Michael W. Smith and all that stuff. And so I'm like, what is this? So I buy the tape, I take it home, and the first song is, you know, you know, God is doing a new thing, right? I, 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 I get to yeah. that song because I looked at it and it said new thing, and I'm like, what? And Toby kicks it off, right? Bro, yeah. I was hook, line, and sinker DC talk. I, dude, I, yeah. oh my God, I, I could not absorb enough DC Talk content. Everywhere I went, everybody yeah. that I talked to was like, have you heard of these guys? Toby, Mike, and Kevin, like, bro. And, and the fact that I was able to even listen to them because of the style of music, right? My parents, you know, like I said, like, I mean, we can agree that, you know, it was very rigid with the, with the um, approach to music because music's very influential. And so yeah. hearing this style... And, you know, so we get through the new thing record and I'm like buying, I'm buying multiple tapes because I'm wearing them out. Right. And I'm learning every word and I'm, I'm starting to, I want to be yeah. a choreographer because I see the new thing video and I, you know, I see bone and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. it was Philly at the time. And, uh, and then yeah. on our tarot was, was the, was a dancer and, you know, and Toby and them are all doing this dance. So I want to be a choreographer. And then the free at last record comes out and I'm like, Oh man, the stratosphere, you talk about stratosphere, bro. Like going, yeah. you know, and I'm cutting pictures yeah. out and, and yeah. And so you get to work with Michael Tate and your brother. I mean, and the brother thing that like that in itself, that could be like a whole story, like a movie line itself, but no coming question. into a, a, an artist like Tate, because Tate, man, I mean, let's be honest, bro. Tate, like him and Toby and Kevin, I mean, they pioneered Christian music in the into the nineties, yep. into the two thousands. And it's funny that yep, you say sure that you know, you knew the behind the scenes because you know it was talked about. If you listen to Toby's momentum record, like he he kinda he's kinda coy about it, but he makes some, you know, references in certain songs and stuff and, and then you know, if you listen to the you put your ear to the ground and you listen like clearly it wasn't a sabbatical because twenty two years later like here we are, you know, doing what you know, they're yeah. doing what they're doing, but but it's crazy because Tate, you guys go out and you and you start touring with Tate. And so I want to tell this story about um, 2004. If you if you let me tell you this, share this with yeah. you. Um, so Please. 
summer of 2004, I was moving furniture in Aurora, Colorado. And again, dude, I'm an avid DC Talk fan, avid Tate, anything Michael or Kevin or Toby did. I Again, I was there. I was yeah. always trying to, you know, whatever. I've been a musician since I was six years old in church. I grew up singing. Vocals have always been my forte, but I learned how to play, you know, bass, guitar, drums, like you, you know, like you had to be multiversatile. Yeah. And so, but vocals yeah. have always been my thing because, you know, just wanting to be, and not the front man, but just wanting to entertain. That was always something that I enjoyed doing. And so, summer of 2004, I'm working at Moving Furniture, and I see Tate gets booked for the YMCA of the Rockies yeah. in uh, Estes Park, Colorado. That yeah. same year, uh, a promoter was putting on a event called Hoy Ploy at the Pepsi Center in Denver. Okay, three-day yeah. event. Toby's playing there. Uh, Pod switch with all that. But Tate is in Estes Park, and this was like June of '04. Well, yeah. you know, Tate was booked for August of that year. So, for the two months prior to that gig, and I'm not joking you, Lonnie. I prayed daily. I said, Father, give me an opportunity to go to Estes Park and get to see Michael Tate, just to get to go talk to him, just to be able to share with him that, you know, not to not to fanboy out, even though I did it to, when we get to that point in the story, I absolutely fanboyed out, but <laughs> I wanted to go up to Estes Park and I just wanted to see Tate. I didn't even think about even the idea of getting tickets because, you know, at that time in my life, you know, I, I was just, yeah, I was working to pay rent and, and paying to work rent, so... Yeah. Two months every day praying about it, praying about it, praying about it. We get into August. The gig was August 4th, 2004. My memory is just ridiculous. Okay. The day before, I'm, I'm over in Arvada and I'm, I'm doing a job. And my best friend, who I do a series with on this podcast, uh, his dad was our boss. And he's this hardcore former Marine. His name is Kermit, right? Calls me on the phone. It's about 2 30 in the afternoon. Now, we had this guy that worked in our moving business that did specialty runs. So when a wealthy person would buy a $10,000 couch and want it delivered, this guy, uh, Timmy, would go and do that. So that was his job. He had been doing it for like 20 years. And so all the specialty jobs Timmy got to do. Well, Kermit calls me that day and he's like, Travis, what are you doing? And I was like, um, I'm just eating lunch, man. You know, because like I said, he was a former Marine, so he's you know he's always busting jobs. <laughs> and and <laughs> I'm bad, like, dude. that's I'm like, awesome. What do you need, Kermit? And he's like, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, I don't know. You're my boss. Like, you have the schedule in front of you. You tell me. He's like, I need you to go to Estes Park. And I was like, What? He's like, Yeah, I need you to go to Estes Park. I got a specialty run for you. And Timmy's out with a he he hurt his foot. So I'm gonna have you take the young cat, um, this new kid that like had started two weeks before this, uh, this date with you, and you guys are gonna go deliver like a, a set of furniture, and then there's a couple other pieces to this house in Estes Park. Do you want to do this? And I looked at the sky, bro. I'll never forget this. And I was like, <laughs> really, God? Are, are you serious? Like, is this really happening right now? I said, he's like, Trav, are you there? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay. So I need to know. Or do you want to go? I said, yeah. He goes, you need to be here early, so you know you can get up there. Yeah. Next day, come in early, get on the truck. I, we go to the store and we load this gear. And we, we're driving up uh, the back road to Estes Park because from Denver you had to go up the, the back road versus coming through uh, yeah. Thompson Valley in Loveland or the Thompson Creek. Yeah, Valley. exactly. Yeah. 
I'm telling this kid as we're driving up the mountain about praying every day that I want to see Michael Tate. I want to go meet Michael Tate, okay? He's like, oh, yeah, man, I know who Michael Tate is, bro. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, man, I grew up in youth group, bro. I know who DC Talk is. And I was like, really? Like this kid two weeks, and I just met him two weeks before. So he's like, so you think we're going to get to see him? I'm like, bro, if the fact that I got on this job and that we're driving to Estes Park right now and Tate is in Estes Park, there's got to be some hope in this in this prayer. Okay? <laughs> That's great, dude. So we get up to Estes Park. We go, we deliver this furniture and at the time um you know in s- summer is way busier more busy in estes than it is during the winter like that's just when all the tourists come okay right so you know kermit calls me he's like hey did you deliver that stuff i was like yeah he's like i need you to come back man we got some other stuff i was like okay and so i tell this kid that's with me i say hey man uh we're gonna run over to the ymca and i'm just gonna drive around and just hopefully get to see Tate somewhere walking around. Like, I don't even know if it's possible. I mean, I'm not the type that would ever, you know, just go busting on somebody, you know, but if, if it's Tate's there, I'm going to go say hi to him. We don't yeah. see nothing. We drive around Estes Park for like 20 minutes, and he's starting to get nervous because he's new, and, you know, Kermit had already called me and said, hey, Trav, you need to come back to Denver. We got, you know, some more work, and I'm like, come on, God, there's yeah. no way you sent me up there just to not get to see Tate. <laughs> I come around this corner, this bin, and I'm coming back towards the main street in Estes Park, bro. I'll never forget this, dude. And as I'm driving up to the main street, I, I, I kind of look off in the distance, maybe about 150, 200 yards, and I see three white dudes and this black dude walking. And I looked at this kid and I said, that is Michael Tate right there. And he goes, how do you know? I said, bro, how many people do you see walking around? And, uh, <laughs> three white dudes and a black dude walking around Estes Park, bro. And not to say that in a yeah. disrespectful way, but... I, I know that it's is true. Tate. I come up to the stop sign, and sure enough, there goes Tate, there goes you, there goes your yeah. brother, and there goes Justin York. Walk, like, you walk through the intersection. <laughs> yeah. And I almost run you guys over because I'm so <laughs> excited. And I come in, and I jump the curb because I, I, I thought it was a driveway into this parking lot, but it was actually the curb. I jump the curb <laughs> with the truck, and I throw it into park. And I jump out, and all four of you turn around and look at me, right? And I slap wow. the back of the truck. And it was like one of those like moving vans that had the lift gate, so it had that metal. Yeah. And it, the, yeah. when I slapped it, it resonates and it echoes. Like, And I'm like, wow! I'm like, no way, Michael Tate! And he's, he turns around and he looks at me and his eyes get big, right? And you and your brother, you kind of fan out around him. And so... I, I come running up and I'm literally like I'm breathing heavy, bro. And Tate's standing there, right? And you and your brother are kind of standing there, like you're almost in this like defensive pose, like you're ready to like you know defend him because you've got this giant dude, man, that's like coming out of nowhere and ready to like I don't know whatever. You, you know, obviously, you didn't know what I was gonna do, right? But Justin York steps in, right? Because I'm standing there like like eyes wide, like I don't even know what to say. And Justin York steps in, and I'm like, and I start talking to Tate. I'm like, dude, what's up, man? I've been a fan since like 1990, bro. I do DC talk, and I'm start rattling off all these DC talk songs. York steps in, and he says, he says, hey, what's up, man? How are you? I remember you, and I and doing security for as long as I had done security already, and knowing like yeah. the protocol when it comes to like trying to deflect fans or trying to make sure that you know the main artist is kind of you know protected a little bit. 
I immediately yeah. understood what he was doing. He was trying to like distract me from Tate so that if I was there to do any harm to Tate, like he would kind of step in or whatever you guys were, whatever you talked about, right? I don't know what everybody yeah. individually, but, and I looked at York and I was like, yeah, man, no, I've never met you, but cool, man. What's up, Justin? Because I knew who you guys were, right? <laughs> yeah. Tate stands there with a smile on his face and I'm literally just yeah. like, I'm breathing heavy and I don't even know what to say and he takes my face in his hands and he just caught it like a, like a little kid, right? And I'm a grown, big, giant man. And he looks me in the face. He says, thank you for your support as a fan over the years, man. That means so much. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's Michael right there, dude. And that's I just Michael. melted, bro. I, I was like, no way. And you and your brother, you know, you you kind of just looked at me and I was like, what's up, guys? And I give you dabs and, you know, and Justin and everything. And I said, okay, you know, I'm yeah. sorry for scaring you guys. I didn't mean to scare you. I just, you don't have no idea that I prayed for two months for this interaction an opportunity to come up here. <laughs> I love it. And God made it happen. And so that is crazy. You guys, you know, you turn around and you guys continued on your way. And I ran back to Whoa. the truck and I jump in and the kid that's he's sitting there in the, and he's got this look on his face like that did not just happen. And I said, bro, <laughs> it just happened. And he was that's like, fantastic. he goes, how did you make that happen? And I looked at him in square in the face. I said, bro, I didn't make anything happen. I said, I, the Bible says pray in all things, right? It says pray, pray without ceasing, right? With, with, in fear and supplication. And so I, I looked at him and I said, bro, I just asked God for an opportunity to have a moment with somebody who I, I don't use the term idol, but admire and have, you know, and have looked up to in the music aspect for so many years to get to be able yes. to meet him. And God made it happen, bro. Dude, that is great, man. What a great story, bro. Not a great story. I love Bro. it. And again, we could sit here and trade stories, and because I I want to hear where like where you are currently, because uh, the brethren, right? That's your new yep. that's your new band. I, I would like to yep. spend a few minutes, and I would love to hear how you transition from what you were doing with Tate and then kind of get in. So I'm going to shut up, but I just had to share that story because when I looked at that poster again, <laughs> great, I was dude. like, bro, that's Lonnie Chapman. What? 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 So anyways, enough yeah. fanboying out. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I love it. so you, uh, so obviously you, you've been in a few different uh, groups, different, uh, you play with different artists over the years. And so I'm going to let you take it away. So you were with Tate. And obviously Tate went and joined the Newsboys, so then the Tate band yep. disbanded. So, you know, at this yeah. point, what are you doing in your career? I, I think it was 2008 yeah. when, you joined Tate, or when you joined the Newsboys. So. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, after our, our Tate run, uh, after we had finished touring uh, the Lose This Life album, um, I moved to Los Angeles, and I started working uh, at a church, doing all the music for a, a church in Los Angeles. And so I did that for five years, bro. I did that for about wow. five years. Um, and then after that, then it was it was time for me to move back home and, um, and move back to Bend, Oregon and make the full circle. So I uh, did, man, moved back to Bend and I got into uh, radio and I, I, uh, I started doing a morning morning show on a top 40 radio station here in Central Oregon. Nice. And then uh, I became became the programmer uh, for that station, and still doing the morning show. And I did that, bro, for ten years. Wow. Did that for ten years, and while still, but was still playing music. Um, I had a, a band 
uh, here in, in Bend uh, called Precious Bird. And it was a cover band that we started with uh, a bunch of other church boys, but it was all just cover stuff, dude, because all the guys that were that we put together for this band were just such great musicians, man. They were just fantastic. And we felt we could do it at a, a, another level than anybody else in the Northwest for that matter. So we did, and it blew up right off the bat, dude. So for for about eight, nine years, man, we were doing 70, 80 shows a year. Wow. As a cover band. And, That's a lot. Uh, it was just, yeah, it was insane, dude. And making money that a, a lot of the uh, national acts, like we're talking C-level B or C-level artists, were making. Okay. Uh, and we, Because we became like the band for Nike and stuff from microsoft dude nike was flying us in to do their big summits bro where the san francisco giants play out and we it, we played you know uh at their at, at at&t park uh, i mean it was just like crazy cool stuff it just as a cover band it was it was insane um and then the pandemic hit and everything went away oh yeah Since 20 beginning of 2020 just but died prior, right prior to that dude uh a, uh, in Precious Bird, there is another set. There's a set of brothers, Corey and Casey Parnell. And okay. uh, Corey is our lead singer. Casey, guitar player, but they're both great guitar players, both great vocalists. But Corey is the front man. And then Casey is uh, the guitar player. Um, and just, they're both amazing human beings. They're both preacher's kids. And uh, also, their mom their mom was a youth pastor here in Bend for a long time at a Lutheran church, man. And okay. so. We just started. We just started talking with my brother Chad. Now Chad still living in Nashville, and we were like, "Hey, just the story alone of two sets of brothers from the same small mountain town in Oregon um, playing in a band together. That story alone is super intriguing. What if we get together and we just start writing, just the four of us, old school? Get into a room." plug in our instruments, set up our drums and just start writing. And let's just see what would happen and what would come out of that. Wow. So Corey, Casey and myself, uh, first of March of 2020 fly out to Nashville and we rent out this rehearsal space, uh, called diamond sounds, uh, studio B in Nashville, Tennessee. And we go in there and for two days, we lock ourselves in that room and we write six was it yeah six songs dude from start to finish um and they're just they, they're coming out more country rock if you will like keith urban um slash old dominion um meets uh like a fleetwood mac even and the eagles oh boy like these four-part harmonies are coming yes. out of four of us preachers kids dude like this and it's it's just it's mainstream it's music it's stuff that we are we've gone through as preachers kids of love and loss uh judgment um as preachers kids uh how we you know how we grew up and where we grew up in the northwest and this stuff is just coming out of us dude we write six bangers in two days not gonna lie, dude. There That's was a amazing. bunch of whiskey flowing, <laughs> yeah. there was a bunch of beer flowing, dude. And these preachers' kids, dude, were just we were having a ball, and we were writing now just for the sake of it, like just for the love of music. Period. There was nobody telling us you got to sound like this, you have to write like this, you can't say that, um, you can say that, um, and it was just magical. 
we walked out of that room um, after those, those two days and we were just, we were all looking at each other like, that was way too amazing. Right? Two months later, we do, two months later, we do it again. Whoa. Corey, Casey, and myself, we fly back to Nashville, rent out the same room, and the same thing happens. We lock ourselves in that room for two days, and it is just the stuff that's coming out of us. And now we have friends who are A-list writers in Nashville, and they're coming in to write with us now. That we're sending them stuff as we're demoing things right off the bat. Wow. Um, and now they're coming in to write with us in you know in these few days we write another six bangers dude and these in two days the second set in two days that's amazing bro holy cow everything dude it's insane bro it's absolutely insane so then we leave nashville uh cory casey and myself and uh we immediately start talking about what it would look like then to start like let's start recording these songs so we do so uh, Chad records all the drums in Nashville in the studio. They send us the stems uh, here to a studio in Bend, Oregon, that a good friend of ours owns. And it's, it's we just start recording everything, dude. Banjos and guitars and piano, because Corey and Casey also, as Preacher's Kids, as we've talked about, they play an array of instruments. Everything. And they're just fantastic at it. And we're laying down vocals, dude, and the harmonies are just all over the place. And we're absolutely having a blast, man. And so we do, we, we finished this, this whole album. We put out our first EP in April of this year. And uh, immediately we get, uh, we land, just recently we've landed a management deal with a, a gal by the name of Pam Lewis in Nashville. Pam Lewis is the one that launched Garth Brooks. Oh boy. Found Garth Brooks, launched Garth Brooks. A friend of ours gave her our stuff and she freaked out and she hollered at us and says, uh, and she's had a, uh, a, uh, a media firm for the last 25 years. And she's been out of the management game for 25 years, but she's been a publicist and her whole team for the last 20 something years. So she calls us, hollers at us and says, I have to manage you guys. And so now Pam Lewis, who her walls on Music Row in her office are full of Garth Brooks, Trisha Yearwood, Alabama, everything. And she's she freaked out. And so we we signed with uh, Pam Lewis with Play Media as our management and as our publicist. Bro, like, okay, not to change gears too quickly, but it when you said Music Row, it made me think of something that I had. I always ask Nashville artists this because, well, yeah. Have you ever eaten at the pantry? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. You bet you I have, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. I know it's a squirrel moment, but when you said music row, and and you know, obviously anybody that's been to Nashville or knows anybody that lives in Nashville knows that that is one of those places you had to go. So I just had to ask. Okay. So you yeah. you guys, <laughs> sorry man, it's totally a squirrel moment. Um, no, so here great. here you are, two sets of brothers. Both accomplished. Both. I mean, you you're sitting on a Grammy. You you know you're sitting on years of touring. You and your brother. You finally got to play with Tate, and and then you guys come together. And I'll be honest. I, you know, I'm a songwriter too, and I say that humbly, just because I think that that is a, a niche in in the uh, in the art of music. Because it's one thing just to pick up you know a bass or a drum set, you know, or or you know a guitar or something, but it's a whole different ball game, in my opinion. When you sit down and you can put together you know, sonnets and stanzas, and you can actually create 
you know, the melodies and harmonies with your with your voice and words that people go, that was awesome. So for you guys to do yeah. six, uh, 12 songs in essentially like five days, right? I mean, four or five days, Correct. was it? Yep. And, and then and then you sit down and your brother, like you said, your brother sat down and recorded all the drum tracks, sent you the stems. You yep. guys go into a studio, you know, across the country, sit down. Yep. And because, you know, when you were a kid, you didn't realize this, that in hindsight, knowing the or having the ability, I should say, to be able to play multiple instruments is going to benefit you later in life. But at the time, you're like, I don't want to play this, Dad. I don't even care. I, I want to go out and you know yep. play with my friends. But in hindsight, now here you are, and you're signing with, you know, you said Pam Lewis, right? That was her name, Pam Lewis? Pam Lewis, yeah. Pam Lewis. Yeah. And so you guys are working on, assuming, because I don't know, but you guys are working on a, a full tour and getting ready to go out yep. and promote this new record. I am yep. stoked, Lonnie. I am truly, bro. I am, Thanks, man, buddy. not to sound fanboys, bro, but... I, I I would love to get you guys to come to Colorado. Um, you know, I've got some people that, you know, promoters and vendors and stuff like that, you know, here uh, venues here in Colorado that you guys would absolutely just would kill it, man. And the yeah, idea We'd love it, dude. Oh, man, I'm I'm already, you know, when we talked the other day about this, you know, I already started racking my brain like who, you know, can I get an opening act for him, you know, like you know, who yeah. who can I talk to? that would uh you know that i could bring these guys in because you know with COVID hitting i mean the touring you know it stopped i mean everything just kind of just stopped man so to get Crushed that it, oh oh i mean and and i think for some artists it was like it was uh fatal right it, no. it, it, yeah you know but you know you guys coming together as two sets of brothers and i like i said i've listened to a few of your tracks you know on youtube and stuff in this last week just to kind of get versed of what you guys are doing. And I'm just, I love music. So I love good content. I love good, you know, rhythms and uh, melodies. I love when there's harmonies and, and it, it doesn't matter if it's country or rock or hip hop when it's good music, bro, I'll hit rewind and I'll play it back two or three times. And man, I gotta say, bro, I, and not to blow smoke, just saying, I could see the, the, the seasoned aspect of the four of you coming together and God just saying, okay, here guys, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. And this is how you're going to continue to, to grow in your music career. So amazing. That's it, bro. That's amazing. It. And without, and without, um, COVID, we probably never would have got together to be honest with you, wow. you know, but it freed up all of our schedules because all of a sudden now we weren't doing shows out here in the Northwest. Chad wasn't doing any shows. Um, at all and so it freed out open it, it opened up those doors in that time for us to get together and just sit down and write man and get back to what we love to do as kids and the same thing with Corey and casey parnell man in their dad's garage playing music grabbing the guitars the acoustic guitars and just playing and figuring it out playing in church and then chad and myself so we got back to those moments dude that when you, you were we were young wanting to play in a band together and that's what happened and what birthed out of that was absolutely beautiful and it birthed what is now the brethren um and it's it's just fantastic so yeah yeah i i ask all your listeners to go and give us a follow on instagram and stuff like that it's we are the brethren and check out our website too we are the brethren.com and uh check that out check out our stuff on youtube and all the videos and stuff that we're taking and uh we're shooting and putting up it's uh it's it's exciting and it's crazy to see the industry, the country music industry now, 
start to take notice of the brethren and that's a lot of fun so a lot of great things are happening uh and gonna happen with this band so we're uh, we're super excited so thank you for uh giving me this platform too to share with you oh yeah uh, what we're doing as the brethren man that's awesome man all right i have two quick questions and we'll wrap this up my first okay. question for you and i ask all my my guests this is what is the biggest crowd or the biggest uh, show that you've ever played in your in your career, as far as people wise? Yep, uh, we got a call from uh, when I was in Tate, and this was a couple years. Uh, this was right after the empty, near the end of the empty tour, uh, and we got a call from. Uh, 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 let me see. Uh, let me see. It was probably 2000, and I think it was 02. Um, where uh, Jimmy Swagger, we got a call from uh, Jimmy Swagger, and oh boy. it was we and Billy Graham. Yep. At this point, the Crusades. So Billy, it was Billy Graham uh, and his team that wanted us to play uh, at uh, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, oh, California. Let's go. So to oh, op- yeah. open up, so Billy Graham, Franklin Graham was there. And so we step out on that stage that they built this massive stage. It was the entire end zone um, there where at the, at the Rose Bowl. Yes. And 109,000 109, people, dude. Oh, my. It was just in a complete circle. It was crazy. Crazy. So to be able to meet, um, you know, Billy Graham at that point in time, and it was not too much longer after that that he would, he would quit preaching, and, uh, and that was it, man. And he was done. And then Franklin would initially take over uh the grand ministries at that point wow. so dude yeah, 109,000 so, so 109, people bro like you know i've i've talked to you know i've talked to artists over the last you know few months and and one of them uh he played in austin texas and it was for some festival but it was like 250,000 people and he said they look like ants yeah. right and then i've talked to some yeah. artists and they're like oh yeah i think the biggest we played was like you know five grand and so it's it's so interesting when when you're on a platform that big and there's that many people right and you're and you know they can all see you but you look out into that vastness and all you just see is like just these little dots right these little heads yep. you know and it's crazy to think that they're all there you know and they're hearing what you're doing like the, a culmination of your success and not saying up to that point but i'm just saying what you've worked hard for what you've slaved for what you've sweated for what you guys you know here is an opportunity to to showcase you know the talent that you've been given and here's yeah. an amazing mass audience to hear it i mean that dude yeah. crazy it's crazy crazy buddy. oh man so okay to follow that up <laughs> what would you say is your favorite venue since you've been all over the world that you've ever played in in your career yeah there's um there's a couple of them here in the united states uh one red rocks yeah, that, Denver, baby. That yeah. you know very well. Oh yes. Yeah, one of my one of my favorites, and then the Gorge, uh, in uh, in Moses Lake, Washington. Washington, Washington yes. Out here in the Northwest. Dude. Yes. Yeah, that that venue is because on the back of the stage, it just drops off this cliff down into the Columbia River, and it's just, it's just so beautiful. And if you ever get a chance to see a show at the Gorge, you have to go see a show at the Gorge because it's. 30,000 people, 35,000 people, and it's just epic. And I played it twice, played it twice with Petra and then twice with Tate. And it was, all four times, bro, was just magical. Wow. Because the weather is just perfect, and it is just, there's not another venue 
outside of Red Rocks that really compares to those two venues, man. It just is fantastic, bro. It's unreal. Then there was a venue at the top of this big butte in Athens, Greece, that we played with Petra. Oh, dude, Greece? And Come on. At the top of, and, yeah, and the top of this butte was kind of built in this natural amphitheater at the very top of the butte where people would sit. And it would only seat really about, I think, it would seat about 7,000 that they had built um, bleachers, if you will, in this kind of half moon around this. It was like a, a uh, like a volcano cornice that kind of dropped down at the top of the butte okay. and made this natural amphitheater that they had put like benches in. And you could probably put about 7,000 people in, in this, in that spot. The only way up was by bus. So it would have to bust 7,000 people, dude, around this, this butte that would go in a circle and then drop them off and then go back down and pick up more people and bring them up. Um, and it was just crazy. But at the top of that, as you got walk up to the top of those bleachers in there, you could see the, the Mediterranean Sea, all of Athens, dude, from the top of that. And it was just so fantastic because you're now looking, standing at the precipice, dude, of uh, the biblical days, man. Uh, right. Of, when Paul spoke to, to, to the prisoners and dude on Mars Hill and you're overlooking all of that stuff and the Parthenons that's right there it was just wild to go and see that but that venue itself to be able to stand on top of that and overlook that city uh, was just crazy because even from there you could see the Colosseum which was the very first Colosseum at the Olympics the very first Olympics was ever held it was in a horseshoe it wasn't even in a full round it was in a horseshoe oh wow crazy yeah, yeah. crazy dude so oh, that man. venue itself was just was just absolutely fantastic man so those are those are my three faves across the world that's crazy you say uh, Red Rocks because um, I think I've done now um, I think I've done eight interviews for this series and out of the eight uh, five of you have said that Red Rocks is the top or one of the top venues out of all of the venues in the world. And it's crazy to yeah. me, right? Because like you just said, you played in Athens, Greece. I mean, to me, like, oh my gosh, like you talk about surreal, right? And it's crazy because, you know, here in Denver, yeah, I mean, Red Rocks is revered as, yeah, for Denverites, it's just revered as the best venue in the world. Of course, I mean, it's kind of, well, you're biased when you're, you know, a native of Denver and but to hear an artist from, you know, across the country say that's one of their favorites, that to me, like, that is so exciting to hear just because, you know, it just it just speaks volume to, you know, the different types of venues that you play around the world, right? Because, like, I'm sure you played Madison Square Garden. I'm sure you played, you know, arenas in, in, in England and, like you said, South America and Korea. But, but we come back to Colorado and it's like, yep, that venue just has something special about it. And that's what these other artists have yeah. said, too, that Red Rocks just has something special. But you can check out... Uh, thebrethren.com go check them out they're getting ready to, to put together a, a tour um, check them out on YouTube I'm sure you guys have a Facebook page and a regular page yep yep um, we are the brethren on, uh, on Instagram so please give us a like and they check out all of our content and we're streaming of course we have our EP that's streaming uh, on all the streaming services from Amazon to iTunes uh, and Spotify so please go check it out and download the music we'd really appreciate it uh, yes I agree uh, anybody that's listening today and uh, in, in the future, please check them out, like, subscribe, leave a comment or question. Because you have been listening to TK's A Brigade. That's right. I'm TK with my special guest, Lonnie. Uh, yeah. 
I am excited, bro, to see where God takes you with this with this group and how you guys grow and and uh, you know just I'm excited to hear the full length record and and hopefully um, you know hopefully we get to get you guys to come to Colorado and done done, dude. I'm in, bro. We are so that in, would man. be I'm telling you right now. Anybody that's listening that wants to come see the brethren come play in my backyard because I have a big backyard. <laughs> Bro, I dude, I will go. I will give blood. I will do whatever it takes to try to come up with that. So, if that's something we can do, man, that would be awesome. So, for sure. Thank you so much, TK. Uh, you're a blessing, my friend, and then, uh, God bless you, my friend. I told you it was going to be an exciting conclusion to Lonnie's story, and there's so much more. So. You can find the Brethren music everywhere, so go check them out. Like I said, I'm hoping to get them to come to Colorado, so please be on the lookout for that. You have been listening to TK's A Brigade, the music series. I'm your host, TK. Please go like and subscribe. You can find the podcast on every major platform, Anchor, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, and Amazon. Hit the support button. It's a dollar a month. It's really nothing. Next time, we're going to dive into a local artist here in Colorado. His name is Dave Beagle. He is an amazing flamingo and lead guitarist who I got to sit down with, and he shared his story with me. He has some amazing stories, and there is something ironic about Dave's story that kind of ties in with Lonnie. So, not Lonnie directly, just with Lonnie anyways. You're going to have to just tune in and find out. You've been listening to TK's A Brigade, the music series. Until next time, take it easy.